0: Keep tugging at our heels, watch us hot step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. The ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies depth. Put our conscience in the genre box, stamp a certified fresh, bad boys beyond G depths. You couldn't fathom what we plan to do
1: next. Turn the music on the head power bomber suit. Hello and welcome to the What is this? The Free Ranger Basketball Podcast. That's the one I'm hosting this time. Um I should know that. It's the only podcast I have. Uh as a guest today with me, Sergeant Vino from Twitter. Sergeant Vino, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Kyle, for hosting me. Yeah, uh, no problem. I wish I was a better host who actually knew how to talk and get the podcast going. But um, let's get into it. We're here today because we want to talk about a couple of recent drafts that I got into, the draft that you're currently going, uh, uh, working on. It's a slow draft. These two drafts that we're going to look at for me, they were both slow drafts. They're both head-to-head leads. Um one of them's eight cat, one of them's nine cat. Uh, one of them is rotist. Oh, I'm sorry. One of them is rotistry really. league. I have a 25, 12 ro- 12 man league with 25 man rosters. Um, can you turn down my volume on your end a little bit? It sounds like I'm coming through on you a little bit. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we're going to look through that. We're going to look through a 12, 12 team, 14 man roster head-to-head draft. So we've got a little bit of a variety here. So we will talk about different strategy. We're going to start off with the 12-team, 14-man roster, head-to-head league. It's a nine-cat league. So there's going to be the standard field goal percentage, free throw percentage, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers. But since this is a head-to-head league, you're gonna my strategy is going to be to pretty much ignore turnovers in rotisserie. I, I take turnovers into account if it's part of the league because I don't think you can just or I don't think you should really punt a category in a rotisserie league. But for head to head, I am more than willing to punt one category, two categories, maybe even three or four categories, depending on what my strategy is and, and what guys fall to me in a given draft. So uh Sergeant Vino, we're gonna get start looking at this. Um, first draft of mine, the the 12-team league, 14-man rosters, head-to-head, head, nine category, and uh, it started off like every draft seems to start off for the most part with James Harden, but something you brought up before we started the show is all of this contention around James Harden as uh, as far as where he's going to land right now after what seems like an inevitable trade that is coming, I guess, are you comfortable still grabbing James Harden in your head-to-head or rotisserie leagues right now at, at number one?
0: Well, I did. You know, the, the, the draft, hopefully, we're going to touch on later. Um, I grabbed him at uh, number eight. Um, it's it's a roto league that, I, that I'm picking. Obviously, that was before all the rumors started. Um, I'm not sure if I would That's pick a him dynasty
1: now. roto league, though, right?
0: It, it, it is a dynasty, correct.
1: Um, okay. But so- again, I
0: had, I had pick eight. So... To me, it was, a, it was a no-brainer at that point when, when it came my turn. But now with all the rumors, I mean, it, it's clearly, uh, it depends where, where he lands. If he's still number one guy, and, and the chance, chances are he still be number one guy regardless of where he goes, but the usage may struggle, struggle, right? He may he lose some touches to KD or Kyrie if, if, it's, uh, if it's Nets or um, some other team. Um, he But he's still strong. Well, I mean,
1: that gets any team that gets Harden is still going to be giving him the majority of the touches on the team he's still going to be the primary guy the number one on offense if nothing else even on a deeper team like like the heat but if if Harden goes to the heat it's gonna end up being the Harden Jimmy and Bam show and then the, a lot of those pieces behind those guys are gonna get traded away for Harden anyways so that's gonna move away some of the quote-unquote logjam. but there's no logjam when you have a player like Harden he's going to come in and the the only I'm sorry there's not no log jam. The only way there is a log jam is if it's a situation like the Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, where that that does that is going to impact all three of those guys' fantasy value, and you're going to take them all down a notch. But it, it's mostly going to be those three guys still getting theirs while the rest of the the players on the team just don't really get to touch the ball.
0: Yeah, I agree with regards to Nets. I mean, Joe Harris is going to lose some. Um, you know, other guys will lose some as well. There's still a, a, a question with regards to center position at the, on the Nets, who's playing, but these guys not touching in the bone. It was, it's all lobs, either Jordan or, or Jared Allen. Yeah, it's interesting where he's going to land. I mean, he, I, I don't think he's starting in Houston at all. I mean, the guy's partying yeah. nonstop and there's there's no way. I mean, he, he said today or, or yesterday, I read on Twitter that this, the minute he heard about Silas, he said, no way I'm playing for his guy.
1: That's funny. I mean, um, I'm You know, it's the – Paul Silas – or uh, Steven Silas being the head coach in Houston is he's coming from over from Dallas. So that's a, that was a, like the best offense ever under Luca. And then you're looking at the kind of similar games that Luca and Harden have been playing. It it didn't seem like there was going to be that bad of a, or that hard of a transition for Silas to come in and work with Harden. Um, But yeah, th- that's just not going to happen. We're going to have Harden somewhere else. If he does land with the Nets, that's like the worst place possible for Harden to land because then taking him at number one becomes something you probably don't want to do. You're probably looking at Harden more at number five to ten somewhere if he does land with the Nets. Uh, I, but but you're still not going to take him out of the first round.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I just hope he, th- he does not land in Miami. I really hope so. I have Bam as a, as a keeper. As, as a as a prize keeper in one of the leagues so that can keep for the next three years. And I don't want Harden near Bam at all. Bam is going to lose so much value. Um because because all the offense is going to go through him hopefully within the next few years and he's just developing. So I, I don't want Harden in, in Miami. Personally, that's purely
1: selfish reasons. Well I mean but that is the that is the fact. Wherever Harden lands, that's where the real impact is going to happen because He's going to affect how much production uh, so many other players have. Uh, other another quick like news item: Paul George signed a contract extension with the Clippers, so he's going to be there more than just this year. He was going to be on a potentially expiring deal this season, so the fact that the Clippers have locked up Paul George for long term is at least good and feeling like he's committed to being there. There's not going to be any extra turmoil this season in regards to whether or not he's staying. So. So that kind of solidifies Paul George's fantasy value for me more this season, even if you don't necessarily like some of the crybaby stuff Paul George has been doing in the media.
0: Yeah, him and then, uh, you know, the other big guy, you know, who, who the fun guy. Who knows where he lands? I mean, the Clippers is just just a mess. Out west, to be honest, I, I look for Denver. That's the team I'm rooting for. They're exciting. They're young. They have they have a couple of young pieces. So I'm not the Clippers fan at all.
1: I don't really find myself rooting for the Clippers, but you can't discount them as a legitimate title contender, as long as they've got Kawhi. And then Paul George is still good, even though he kind of, uh, he's just looking like a sore loser or uh, kind of a crybaby in some respects in regards to some of his uh, negative comments about Doc Rivers not being able to navigate making changes in the playoffs, things like that. It's like, dude, where's that going to get you bringing that stuff up right now? And it just, it came off bad more in the, his delivery, more than I care about him actually complaining about stuff. Um. All right. Looking at this, uh, this head to head 12 team, 14 roster, 14 man roster draft, James Harden at number one, Anthony Davis at number two. You're fine with those situations. Giannis Antetokounmpo at number three, Luka Doncic at four, Carl Anthony Towns at five. Stephen Curry at six. And then I had picked seven and I took Nikola Jokic. I think the only player that you would look outside of that group of, of guys and say who, who maybe would should be in the top seven instead of the guys that were taken there is Damian Lillard. Um, I guess, do you kind of see it any different at all? Or is, are there any guys that y- you would be looking at taking in that top seven range? You
0: know, I'm, I'm pretty cool with this. And Lillard was next, as I'm seeing on board. Um, I'm cool with either of those guys. They're solid. And, of course, different punt strategies come into play, and that's where Giannis is so high on number three. No problem there. Rotisserie, I wouldn't touch him there. Nowhere close. Um, Same as everybody else. I mean, they're, these, they're, these guys are solid.
1: You yeah, can build this around is, any one of them. Now, this And this is a cash league, so another reason why i taking a look at this with you, Sergeant Vino, is believing that, the fact that people had money in on this league, it's part of the fantasy basketball international world cup for 2021. I don't know if you can still turn me down just a little bit in your ears. I don't know why I'm hearing myself come through. Um, but, uh, I, I think these are legit draft results. I think you're going to see some things in the next couple of rounds where you're like, well, why did that guy fall? And, or why did this guy go higher than, than what a lot of people maybe may have been expecting. So just rounding out the first, the first round: Damian Lillard went at eight, Jason Tatum went at nine, Trey Young at ten, Devin Booker at eleven, and then Paul George at twelve. Paul George has been slipping in a lot of drafts, so it's it's curious to me to see him actually go in the first round. Especially uh, now, you're on that turn; you're getting two picks. It doesn't really matter which one you take over the other one. But uh, this pick, this person paired together Paul George at twelve with Joel Embiid at thirteen. That's a nice pairing. And then you've got to, of course, wait two rounds for your picks to come back to you. But that's that's a good start. And I'm okay with Paul George in the first round. He was, you know, a lot of people are going to be scared off from Paul George uh, due to the fact that he was limited last season coming back from a shoulder surgery. But he's healthy right now. And we should be, I think, expecting kind of a bounce back season from Paul George.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, for, for head-to-head, no, no problem there. He should be firing on all cylinders. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical about his uh, field goal percentage and in, in rotisserie. Um, I had the privilege of, of trading for him one season and he completely sunk me in, in, in field goal. So I'm, I'm very you know skeptical, like I said, in, in, in rotisserie, but in head to head, no problem.
1: No, it's definitely an issue for Paul George. If there is going to be one with him, it's the, it's the fact that he's, you know, he's a, he plays a forward position a lot of the times, or that's where you're slotting him in on fantasy. And, and he, he shoots a high volume field goal percentage, when, and one that is in the negative, uh, even if it's not necessarily like as as hurtful as some other players. It still isn't maybe perfect. Uh, coming as we came around that turn with Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant at fourteen, LeBron James at fifteen, Kyrie Irving at sixteen, and then finally Ka- Kawhi Leonard at pick seventeen. Before it drops, before it comes back to my pick at eighteen, where I took Shea Gilgis Alexander to pair with Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic and Shea Gildas-Alexander, because they both have good percentages, that would be a good start for a rotisserie draft. I felt comfortable with both those guys in a head-to-head draft because I don't want to go and draft a guy like Kawhi Leonard in a head-to-head draft. That's the reason why Kawhi Leonard fell to pick 17 in this particular draft, because you look at Kawhi's per-game production, and he's like a top-six guy for for, uh, eight and nine cat leagues. But the fact that Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out most likely at least most back-to-backs, if not all back-to-backs, um, I don't want that on my head-to-head league because you miss a game in a, in a weekly head-to-head matchup, that's so hard to make up. Whereas like if I was drafting a rotisserie league, I'd be w- looking for Kawhi Leonard, hoping that he falls to a place like the 17th pick because then that's a great value because I can make up for Kawhi Leonard's absences with fill-in players a lot more easily in rotisserie than I can in my head-to-head leagues.
0: You know, yeah, you touched on a couple of points. So first of all, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, all those four guys, Gerand, James, Irving, Leonard, it's all games played, right? That's all it's all it's all comes down to games played. If we knew these guys are playing all games, they would not be sitting there in round two, they'll be top round one, right? Top 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 of the list. Uh, with regards to Ratissery, I mean when you can substitute them with, with different players, um, sure. In my leagues, when where it's auction, a guy like 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 LeBron James or, or Kawhi Leonard they'll go for you know a third of a budget you can't substitute you cannot substitute them with, with someone else off the bench so that, that's again game lost so for me games played is a huge factor and the when the matter of fact that you went with with SGA it's it's bravo you know kudos to you I mean that, that's what I would have done and that gives you options later. I mean you're not punting right now or anything you're good in all categories. You can punt whatever you want later.
1: Well and part of me too when I'm drafting a guy it's it's always am I is there upside from It's not just is this a value pick in regards to people's perception of where this player should be going in a draft. For me, because a lot of the times, too, that's going to change over the course of a drafting season. We're already seeing anybody who drafted in the first week of Yahoo being open if you if you were able to do that, you saw, or if you were doing the mock drafts, you saw that guys like Christian Wood were buried in the rankings, whereas other guys and Nikola Nurkic, or I'm sorry, Yusef Nurkic, was buried in the rankings, while guys like Kristaps uh, Porzingis and Jaron Jackson were still a lot higher. And now Yahoo's updated their rankings, and it looks a lot more like what you would have seen the. The kind of like uh, I guess the professional drafts going at, whereas now everybody's taking Christian Wood in round three, and we're about to see that, and and that's where he's much more closely ranked on on Yahoo now, whereas he was like in the '60s or the '80s a week ago, and and that's just the way it's going to continue to be as we get closer to the the regular season tipping off. If your draft is closer to it, you're going to see that the rankings or the the ratings that players are are set at on these draft sites change more and more and kind of get kind of get refined to the point that you don't even have sleepers available necessarily. You're, you're playing the margins. And so that's why when I'm looking at guys and I'm trying to determine if they have upside, it's not am I getting them at a great draft value necessarily, but sometimes it's, with especially with a guy like Shea Galgis-Alexander with, with ASGA, taking him in the second round in the middle of it or even near the start of the second round. Is there upside on that? I still think there is. I think SJ has first round upside. So I'm happy and I'm okay taking SGA in the second round. Plus you also have to just acknowledge like SJ is not coming back to the middle of the third round for me. He wasn't going to. So I needed to take him there. And it also helped that uh, Jonas Nader plays in this league. And the fact that Jonas Nader from Roto world, who's famously for t- being a-, a Shea Gilgis lover, he did not take. SGA in the second round. He had to pick two picks before me, and he took Kyrie Irving. And I just know that he's going to be regretting that the whole season. And it's hilarious that he went away from probably his his gut feelings and went with Kyrie Irving there.
0: So there's no way in the world I will take Kyrie over SGA right now. There's no league, there's no format, there's no way. And I'll tell you one thing: I, I'm all I'm all up for SGA, and I'd be not surprised if he's round one next year and beyond. The guy's gonna eat. The guy's a stud. He, he's a future.
1: Yeah, the only thing that could stop him right now is if the Thunder kind of change gears and say, wait a minute, we can get Harden in a trade. Let's go get Harden to pair with SGA. Like, that's the only way SGA is getting hurt right now. You're right. That would be terrible news for SGA. Yeah, you're right. It would be horrible uh, for at least this fantasy season. Uh, following me at, at uh, pick 18 was DeAndre Ayton at 19, Jimmy Butler at 20, Ben Simmons at 21. And Simmons has his free throw issues, but this is a head-to-head league. They can just pump that. Bam Adebayo at 22, Nikola Vucevic at 23, Bradley Beal at 24. Um, It's good to see Beal going at a reasonable spot there. John Collins at pick 25 to start off the third round. Chris Paul at 26. Yusuf Nurkic at 27. Yusuf Nurkic is someone who comes out in, at like 12 to 15 in, in my projections on Basketball Monster and Josh's projections. I believe comes he comes out about the same spot. So um, if you paid attention during the bubble, Yusuf Nurkic came back. He was playing big minutes We're expecting big minutes again now that, especially with Hassan Whiteside out of town. Yes, Cena's Cantor was signed, but. Or, or traded for, but um, you're just expecting after the bubble minutes that Yusuf Nurkic got coming off a broken leg that you're going to get huge minutes from Nurkic, and that's really the, the main reason why he's getting re- re- getting looked at as kind of a second-round, third-round player. If you took Yusuf Nurkic in the middle of the second round or the end of the second round, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. I think there's arguments to be made for grabbing Yusuf Nurkic over pretty much everybody that was taken after I, I took SGA. So
0: yeah, you're bigger Nurk. Uh some some other people are. Um he's got he's got great stats in the Babel you rate, uh great percentages. So even in R- 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 the R- League, he's he's elite. I am skeptical about the minutes played or games played. Um he 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 I am not gonna say injury prone, but uh is, is known to have you know missed games every season. They also brought in um uh Robert Covington. Uh he can play some center uh on the small ball they have some four in in, in in anthony right they can play that way so there's some competition uh, zach collins coming back there's some competition there
1: it's a deep team in, in portland what do you think about the john collins situation a lot, a lot of people are worried that there's just a log jam there and it's going to hurt john collins after see the the the, the, the narratives around collins are weird too just because everybody kind of goes off their gut perception in a lot of respects um and with John Collins, people probably have a negative gut reaction to him because he missed 25 games last year due to a drug suspension. Um, and then, but the fact of the matter is that in the games that John Collins played last year, he was the 10th overall eight category player. So the, the fact that I just had John Collins fall to me in a different draft that's still going on right now to pick 41. 41? 41. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, the fifth pick in the fourth round, uh, oh, wow, is just, just absolutely nuts, and and that's that's one thing that I just want to point out to people. Like, like I was making a a decision in that draft between three players in the third round, and I said to myself, John Collins, Pascal Siakam, or Brandon Ingram. I took Brandon Ingram in the third round because whatever reason I gave myself at that moment, not expecting any but any of those guys to fall to the fourth round so when john collins did it was just like oh my gosh this is a real league people paid money to be in this league and john collins just dropped dropped to 41 so that was exciting to me
0: yeah you know i'll take it one step further and i'm not you know beyond fantasy i'm not sure what atlanta is thinking i mean all these rumors coming out of atlanta of them trading him and not paying him the max i mean why i mean you know that's the only question why the guy is elite the guy's top-notch the guy the money. It's Atlanta. Who's gonna go there as a free agent? Yeah, you're gonna free up all this cash. You're gonna pay what Danilo Gallinari? Give me a break.
1: No, I. It's. I, I think we saw the the versatility that John Collins had last year in with him playing at center a whole bunch, um, and I think a lot of people have just gotten caught and caught up in, in the narratives that Chris or Clint Capella's there, Danilo's there. Bogdan Bogdanovich is there. You got all those those young youthful guys with with big talent who the, the hawks are hopeful are gonna pay off. And and they look at all that and they go, John Collins just he's not gonna get the touches. Whereas I'm looking at it and going, John Collins is still a young dude who's been absolutely fantastic so far and and made improvements year to year. Why wouldn't he get put into a better situation and and blossom? Why would exactly. Why would a better better situation make him shrink? Yeah, I, I'm all up for it. I mean, if
0: I'm Atlanta, sign sign the guy up. You know, all the young guys that you just mentioned. You know, Herder is cooked. Bogdanovich is going to take all his touches, all his minutes. I I wouldn't even touch Herder in, in in fantasy at all. Um, you know, Hunter is 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 a bench guy. I'm big on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, I think, is going to blossom. Um, so th- that's it. You know, and Danilo Kalinari is your is your bench guy. They also drafted this young guy. Um, o- Ken, Ken, well, I can not even pronounce his name? Double O. Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna be good. But yeah, pay John Collins playing minutes, give him
1: usage, give him touches. That's it. Go. Well, and and you know, you if a lot of people again they come up with all these ideas about why things are going to be negative, but like if you just listen to the coach. Every single off season, Lloyd Pierce has been effusive in his praise of John Collins, and then talking about the situation with Daniel Gallinari. Something that Lloyd Pierce, the head, the Hawks head coach, said was that they can. He, Lloyd Pierce made this this comparison not me. He said that we'll look at the Warriors lineup, their death lineup with with uh Draymond Green at center, you know, who's at center for them? Draymond Green. Okay, cool. He's like it's not going to be that hard for us to look at the matchups across the league and decide that we're going to put John at center with Daniel and see a lot of that. So there, there's an opportunity there for you know if anybody's going to be getting screwed out of minutes in some kind of dramatic way, it's going to be Clint Capella more than anything. In, in my agree. in my opinion,
0: I agree. Modern NBA is is you know shooting. You yeah. you, you saw it in Miami. That's the reason why one one of the reasons why they went to the finals because of lots of shooting, and you cannot have a person that is you know not a shooter at all, and that's Capella. The guy cannot shoot the ball. I mean, nothing. So I I could definitely see Collins at the five and and maybe Danilo Gunnari at the four. Sure. Absolutely. I see that.
1: And I guess all of this about John Collins is just to say that I think he's okay to continue to considering at the back end of the second round, I wouldn't be drafting him, you know, 10th overall or anything ridiculous like that. There is going to be some kind of a drop off likely just because there is more talent on that team, but there's also the opportunity for John Collins to play an extra minute or two and to just find his way developing different skill sets. He shot 40% from three last year. He was amazing. Percentage just amazing. He improved from three-point land and in his blocks last year. So, like, I just – I'm just not discounting the guy – in any dramatic way, we'll just say that. All right. Uh, to continue into this round three, we had John Collins at with the first pick of round three, number twenty five overall, Chris Paul, Yusuf Nurkic, Andre Drummond, who's an interesting player, especially in head to head this year or this season, because there's the potential for Drummond to play big minutes as that starting center for the for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if you take his his poor free throw percentage, which isn't nearly as bad as it used to be. But if you take his free poor free throw percentage out of the equation, Drummond is a guy that you know he's. You can look at through the lens and say like, "Wow, he's he's kind of started the second round type value from that perspective."
0: Yeah, he, his steals are amazing for a big man. He blocks shots. He does everything. And in in head to head, when you can punt free throws, um, you, you're you're good. The question is, how many games is going to play and how many minutes? Right? I think he. Everybody talks about him being a last. Last in his contract, and then potentially being moved somewhere. Uh, Cleveland is a young team, and who knows what's going to happen with Kevin Love, same situation, similar. So we'll see. I mean, if the guy plays a lot of minutes for this, for Cleveland team, I see him as, like you said, round two,
1: for sure. Yep. Yeah, no, Drummond's, Drummond's just a guy who... And the thing is, you don't have to. I wouldn't be taking him in the round two. I think round three is fine for him. You're you're gonna have Drummond drop to round four in a lot of drafts too. He's somebody who will drop, and that's what's most interesting to me about Drummond this year is because of the negative connotations around him, because of his uh, weird value after getting traded to Cleveland at the the trade deadline last year. People are going to be looking at Drummond negatively in a lot of respects. Following up Drummond, we had Rudy Gobert, and then I took Christian Wood at pick thirty in the middle of the third round. And um, I took Christian Wood at, in the third round of another draft with a bunch of uh, fantasy experts last week when we were just doing a mock with the hoop ball guys. And everybody's like, third round, that's way too early. And I'm sitting there and I'm going like, well, th- that's where he comes out in my projections at least. He, he's, he could be a second round player. He's going to be argue at least a third round player. And then if Harding gets traded, there's still upside there for Christian Wood. So plus they signed him to play big minutes. So like, you know, one of the biggest things I'm looking at in these first few rounds is like, I want secure roles. I want guys who I'm expecting to try to be out there for all 72 games this season. I don't, I don't want to risk, you know, the, 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 the years of taking risk in my early fantasy days, you know, that ended when I took a risk too big on Andrew Bynum one season and it ruined my fantasy seasons not doing it. If I'm going to, if I can avoid injury risk, I'm going to avoid injury risk early in the early in drafts.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So minutes played, games played, big, big thing. So let, I, I want to touch on Rudy Gobert for a second. So Rudy Gobert is round three and he's consistently going round two, round three uh, for years now, and he's a good player, but his biggest value are blocks. And this year you can find blocks late. You, there, there's lots of guys. We can list them right now on top of my head. Kliba, um, Thais, uh, Zubac, all those guys, round 10, round 11. You can find them later. So in my mind, Gobert could, could lose a little bit of value here. Um, you talked about goals and minutes. Siakam, who, who I can see next. I would take him over Wood any day. Toronto, big minutes. Nick Nurse is going to play him a lot of minutes. I would personally take Siakam here. But Wood, no problem.
1: No, yeah. Uh, Gobert's a guy that you can generally rely on to be in the lineup. So from that perspective, you like him. But there's just, other than his rebounds and his blocks and his field goal percentage, it's. I often find it hard to go after Gobert early because also a simple fact of uh, statistical scarcity is that if you want to compete in points, and assists, you need to get those early. If you want to compete in good percentages, you need to get those early. And Gobert always feels like somebody who, if I'm drafting him, I'm going to have to spend a concentrated effort to fill in the holes around him. And I don't think that he offers elite enough production in certain categories to justify me filling in the holes around Rudy Gobert.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was meaning. Yeah, I would, I would take him around later. That, that was my point exactly. You just, you yeah. just echoed that.
1: Um, but Christian Wood at round or at pick 30, then we had Pascal Siakam, 31, Russell Westbrook, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell, Demontis Simonis, Chris Middleton. I mean, you're not, thing is none of these picks in the third round. Are you really screaming at and going terrible pick? And so that's, and that's the sign of a good draft too, is that, you know, okay, none of these picks are reaching too far and nobody fell too further than they should have either. Really?
0: Yeah, I agree. I love Middleton. I, I've been drafting him for years. He's a Roto God with all these percentages and not hurting you anywhere. What's your take on Sabonis this year? I mean, we just heard about T.J. Warren going down for for extended time. What do you think about Sabonis?
1: Yeah, uh, news today was that on a, on a Thursday was that T.J. Warren has. That's what demonis Sabonis was, I believe, dealing with in the in the bubble and wasn't able to participate in the bubble. Sabonis is supposed to be healthy. I just, I don't know what to expect from that Pacers team. And so I'm kind of avoiding most guys from the Pacers. I I think it's okay to get them at the right values. Um, I think I've always kind of looked at DeMontis Sabonis and I've, uh, he's a, he's a weird fit. Like is he, is he, he can put up really nice stats. He can put up efficient scoring. He can pass the ball as a big man. All these things are great, but like, you have to play him at power forward or center. And most people think you should be playing Demonis Sabonis at center. Demona Sabonis is not a good rim protector. Like I just think the fit for Demonis Sabonis is one of those guys who it's like, is he ever going to be on a championship level team where he's a starter or is he just going to be on teams that are kind of good and he puts up nice stats?
0: You know, I, I no one looks at him. I don't think most people don't look at him as, as a star at this point. So I don't I don't think people building around him, or whether in real life or or in or in fantasy, I just think that most of his most of his value on offense comes from passing. I mean, the guy averaged five assists um, last year. He became an All Star. If the offense runs through him, and uh, they have a very smart point guard in 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 Brogdon who 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 can share the ball, um, that that's that's where his value is. You're right. He's not a big blocker. Um. So he doesn't bring you those defensive stats, but offensively, he's 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 good. He's he's bam good.
1: I I, I liked. So I th- I think my issue with Demontis Simonis is I have a lack of faith in him. I don't believe that, like it's it's bonkers to me that the Pacers value him more than Miles Turner. That's crazy to me. I think because I think the shot blocking from Miles Turner is just so important, or should be so important. And then I also think that Miles Turner hasn't been utilized correctly on offense for years with, with, uh, with their former coach, uh, Nate McMillan, maybe this new coach will take a look at the system and, and there is supposed to be a lot of two big double, you know, double big action stuff that, that Nate and the new, new head coach of the Pacers is putting in, um, There's, it's supposed to be more of a motion offense, not just constant pick and rolls like Nate McMillan was running with Brogdon. So different guys are supposed to be sharing the ball more. DeMontis Sabonis could end up having a great season and, and I'm just overlooking something with him, but like there's, there's, I guess I just have a hard time kind of understanding how he's become this guy who has put up these, these, I just don't understand how his role has become as big as it is. I, I get it. He, he might be fun to watch in some respects. I don't know if it's winning basketball, and that's what's so weird to me.
0: You know, I think he took advantage. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, Miles Turner had years, um, at least two, three seasons now, where he could could have taken advantage, and he didn't. Well, Sabonis did. I'll just kind of throw something else in there. Goga Bitadze is going to be good. Watch oh out. Oh, my gosh.
1: Watch out. That's that was another failure for Nate McMillan last year was just the fact that he didn't find a way to cre- create a rotation that had Goga Batadze playing every day. Like this guy is a young Marc Gasol in, in a lot of respects, and
0: you know, uh, I, I saw yeah, he be playing. I saw clips from from Euroleague, and I'm and I'm big on picking young talent, and that's how I end up with with good keepers. Usually, it's 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 you. Watch with your eyes for good talent. Forget about rankings, Yahoo rankings, ESPN rankings, all that stuff comes later. When the guy's already good, well, that's too late. You want to draft them early. So this guy, Goga Bitadze, I think he's going to be good.
1: I completely agree. That's a that's a deeper thing for you, and it's it might be a, a reason why the Pacers were trying to just kind of give away Miles Turner for for Gordon Hayward is. Is there, there, they might be, well, for one thing, they do have DeMontis Sabonis, but they might've been looking and saying like, we've got this Goga Patase dude that like, one of the reasons we fired our coach is probably because he wasn't playing this dude. Um, something to, something to watch. He's definitely someone to keep a, keep an eye on and be aware of. All right. Round four kicked off with Jamal Murray at pick 37, John ja Morant at pick 38. John ja Morant, somebody who I think is going at a good value. Because of what he's already shown as a scorer and an assist guy, and then you've got to assume that there's room for growth with John ja Morant to become better at things like whether it's his defensive stats or or his three pointers. And apparently, there is a, a there has been a push from the the Grizzlies to say, "Hey, John, ja, try to get more three pointers up." So uh, I'm just kind of surprised that John ja Morant hasn't been getting more of that hype pick. Where he he he's not going like early. John Moran's going at a really fair value, and he's got upside. Absolutely,
0: I'm with you. So for example, I'll take him over um, Rudy Gobert. We talked we talked about previous round. I mean, yep. especially without JJJ, his usage is going to go up. Um, upside is there, young team, and I don't think Memphis is going to be that good this year, to be honest. So they have full reasoning and, and 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 opportunity to to develop their young guys so clark uh moran it's it's all it's all their time right
1: now i'm uh, following john morant with zach levine at 39 d'angelo russell at 40 kyle lowry at 41 and then i grabbed De'Aaron fox at 42 De'Aaron fox similar to john morant is a guy who's still young still has upside or the potential just to take some developmental jumps let alone the fact that there were so many issues with the Kings last year that even with the fact that they are bringing back the same head coach and, and Luke Walton, the team has made a vow to do things differently as far as speeding up the pace this year, which it was just insane that Luke Walton comes in to the Kings and uses De'Aaron Fox in a slowed-down offense. Like, De'Aaron Fox, are you kidding me? The Arguably the fastest guy in the league, and you're slowing down the offense with him. It's stupid. Yeah, I, I-
0: I read somewhere on Twitter today that uh, he's—he looks like an all-star. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he becomes one. I mean, in the West, it's tough. Probably not this year, but
1: definitely in the future.
0: No, no, no. Why not? Yeah.
1: But I mean, the 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 kind of shine seems to be rubbed off of De'Aaron Fox a little bit. Like people aren't necessarily clamoring for him uh, in drafts this year, and and I feel like he's coming at a nice value. Drew Holiday at 43, Fred Van Vliet at 44, Chris Porzingis at 45, DeRozan goes next, and then Gordon Hayward and Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Chris Porzingis at 45 is one to talk about. A lot of people want to know where the heck do you take Chris Tapps this year, um, and do you have a, a good handle on that or, or, or perspective? You know, I'm
0: not a doctor. I'm reading the same same Twitter, same internet news that everybody else is reading. So it it all depends on the amount of games. I mean, if the guy plays 80% of the games, that's fair value. If You plays 70, that's a question mark. So I don't know where where he's going to play. I, I'm drafting in my leagues. I'm drafting a lot of Dallas guys just because I just drafted uh, Maxi Kleber today uh, in, in one of the leagues, and that's exactly the reason. I mean, he's he's a replacement. No one knows um, Dwight Powell coming back from Achilles. Who who knows? I mean. I am not touching Chris personally.
1: Uh, you know, I you can I think there's some interesting things about Chris Stapp's situation that you can you can invest in him more in certain leagues. Uh, if if you don't have an injured reserve spot though, I'm not grabbing somebody who's already injured. I'm not, especially in a head-to-head league where you need to be rotate, especially if it's if it's a daily lineup system, you need to be rotating in guys throughout your week to get those extra stats. If you're not, you're going to lose. It's just, that's the way it's going to happen. So if you got a bunch of uh, injured guys sitting on your bench, not, not contributing, you're going to lose. With Chris Stapps though, you look at his per game rankings. He's like a top 25 type kind of guy in the projections, uh, we know that he can be even better than that. We know that the, if, if he, if Chris Stapps was the main guy, if he wasn't on a team with, with a ball dominant player, like Luke Doncic, Chris Stapps could be a potential number one overall fantasy pick, or at least a top five, top, top seven guy.
0: Um, yeah, he's a unicorn for a reason, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's just the volume of blocks, the number of three pointers that you're getting, the, the elite scoring, the the good rebounding, you know, there's just there's there's enough there from the, the good free throw percentage. There's enough there with Chris Depps that he has the potential to reach that height. Um in this season with Chris Depps coming into the year, uh injured, we're getting some positive little notes or anecdotes about how well, both of Kristaps' knee injuries, whether it was the ACL and he came down and it was a kind of a contact play with Giannis or his, his meniscus that he just got surgery for uh, in the last few months. And that's what Porzingis is coming back from now. They said that was another contact play in the bubble. So, from those perspectives, you're saying, well, if it's not a non-contact injury, usually that's the biggest problem. You know, you look at a guy like Jabari Parker, his ACL's blown out. Those are non-contact plays where he didn't bump into anybody. There wasn't a collision. His body just gave out on him. What Chris is trying to say is that I'm not injury prone. I, you know, these things happened out of happenstance, not of the circumstance of my body being unable to carry the load for me as the, one of these more oblong body types um so there is from christmas porzingis's perspective reason to think that he's going to be fine health-wise long-term or at least he has the path to do that that he isn't cursed in some respects um also christmas said he if he could he'd come back on christmas the the maps have said they're not bringing him back until some time in january when Chris Dapps comes back, there's going to be another, what, two weeks, three weeks of him ramping up his minutes, getting through any back-to-back restrictions. So that's further limitations. That's further games missed. So it's it's the, the point being about when you're looking at Chris stapps is you've got to take into account all of those things, how your league is set up, and whether or not you can weather the storm of having him sit on your bench. In the right situation, I think it's okay to start looking at Chris Dapps after pick 40 because... You start looking around at the the level of talent, and you can see that there's a talent gap between what Kristaps Porzingis' ceiling is for head to head versus what other guys' per game ceiling is, and, and and that's where you have to start kind of balancing things out and saying, is it worth the risk? Can I can I mitigate the the uh, the absences of Kristaps early in the season? If you can't, if you're not going to put yourself if you're not confident of putting yourself in a position to be in the playoffs in this truncated season while taking care of Chris and don't do it. And like a lot of the times I don't want to do it. So it's going to be pick 40 or later. And and in most respects, I'm not going to be looking at Jaron Jackson or Chris Porzingis for until probably close to pick 60 in, in most of my drafts.
0: Yeah. Same thing. So especially in this season, when there's uh, less amount of games, each and every one of those games becomes even more crucial. So losing games in the 82 season has less of an impact overall than losing games in the 72 season. And it's all about speculation. You know, losing games to an injury based on contact or non-contact, it's all speculation. And, of course, the guy yeah, the guy is young. He wants to play. Of course, he wants to come back early and play more and this and that. So, But I'm personally not touching guys who are injured. And like you said, JJJ and Kristaps and, and are off the list for me this year.
1: Now a guy that's kind of similar to Rudy Gobert is Mitchell Robinson in regards to what he offers in fantasy, a good field goal percentage, pretty good rebounds, good blocks. And Mitchell Robinson is getting, he got taken at the end of the fourth round pick 48 in this draft. We're looking at right now. Where, where do you feel comfortable taking Mitchell Robinson? Because a lot of people got hyped up about him last year and took him early in drafts. And, Ended up regretting it because that's not to say that he doesn't produce in, in short minutes, but the 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 role that Mitchell Robinson got last year certainly wasn't what a lot of people were thinking was gonna was gonna materialize with him in his second year.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna say one thing. I don't trust New York at all. Exactly. Period. And I don't trust anybody in New York. I mean Alfred Brayton, that's another guy we're gonna talk about later. I hope uh, that's 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 interesting, interesting player to talk about, even more interesting than, than Mitchell Robinson. I mean the guy's elite in, in, in assists. If you look at assists. And those guys, those, uh, this category is very scarce. I mean, there's very little assist and, and Peyton is, is elite, but I don't trust New York one bit. I mean, who, who is there? Nilakina? who's there, uh, um, Dennis Smith jr. Wh- who else? Um, they just brought in uh Rivers jr. I don't trust New York. I don't want to touch New York at all. Zero New York guys for me.
1: Oh, well, and it's, it's the fact that you got a new coach with Tom Thibodeau. You've got kind of a new front office with Leon Rose there. Um, there's there's two if we actually listed everybody on the roster it's just there's a log jam it's who do who do you think it's not who do you think should play it's who do you think coach Thibodeau is going to play between Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel and I just don't feel confident enough to be investing a a high or middle round pick in either of those guys or pretty much anybody on the New York Knicks so I mean, the guy that you'd invest the highest pick in for the New York Knicks, in my opinion, would be Julius Randle because his minutes seem the most likely to be secure, which is hilarious because in a lot of people's minds, they'll say, what about Obi Toppin? Aren't the Knicks going to play him? And it's like, everybody, knew, everybody knows Coach Thibodeau doesn't like to play rookies. Most coaches don't want to play rookies if they don't have to. Now you've got a truncated season and and like no preseason for the most part where these rookies are coming in. The coaches don't really know them that well. And you're expecting the coaches to go and play rookies when they have veterans who they know, at least know the system. Like it's, I think, yeah, in some respects, people are just looking at a high draft pick with Obi Toppin and thinking that he's going to get minutes. And I don't know if they're really coming.
0: I don't know. You just mentioned uh, Julius Randle, and yeah, that's probably his their best player. But he needs usage. He needs he needs the ball in his hands. He needs to play like a point guard. Um, and even then, he's a you know sixth, seventh round player. I mean, Obi Toppin. I mean, have you personally seen him playing defense? Have you seen him playing defense?
1: There's a couple of clips online. It's a joke. The guy can't even move east I'm, west. It was just a bad pick by the Knicks. Um, I don't see Obi Toppin being anything more than a role player in the NBA when it all comes down to it, on a good team. So, yeah, you know,
0: I, I live in Toronto. I, I would not want him on Raptors at all.
1: At all. Oh, no, no. he's He's just not... It was a bad, bad pick, bad bad investment from the Knicks. Uh, Moving on to round five, and we'll just kind of shoot through this a little bit quicker since I'm burning a lot of time on this. Marcus Smart went with the 49th pick. Michael Porter Jr. with the 50th. Zion at 51. Man, you you know, I want to have conversations about all these picks. Jalen Brown at 52. Miles Turner, 53. Robert Covington, Lonzo Ball, LaMarcus Aldridge, Jaron Jackson at 57, Jonas Valanciunas at 58, Malcolm Brogdon, Thomas Bryant. You're not really seeing any bad picks. You might say Robert Covington has fallen a little bit going to the fifth round. Um, but then again, like Robert Covington is one of those guys who kind of his draft position waffles from league to league, depending on who's targeting it, you know, is it somebody who's punting assists and they're just looking for, or punting points and looking for those guys like a Robert Covington, uh, he, he might go a little bit higher in some drafts and a little bit lower in others.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I will take Covington one round at least um, uh, for, um, ahead of this. Uh, Mitchell Robinson for sure ahead of him. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Gordon Hayward, uh, Porzingis with his in- injury for sure. I'll take Covington above all these guys for sure.
1: What are you doing with Zion Williamson? Uh, he kind of has to be in a head-to-head league, or I guess you really wouldn't want to go after him in rotisserie because of his poor free throw percentage. But like in a head-to-head league, drop into. F- I almost feel like 51 is kind of, williamson dropping because if you're drafting williamson from the perspective that you're going to be punting free throw which you should be doing if you're grabbing him in a head-to-head league then you're also looking at williamson through the 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 scope of or the perspective of a free throw percentage build where he ranks as like the 13th best player so
0: it's just weird
1: it's a weird thing because Williamson, in a free throw percentage build or punt free throw percentage build, he's the 13th overall player in the rankings. Whereas in normal eight cat rankings, his free throw percentage is so bad that he's like the, you know, the 60th ranked player or something like that.
0: Yeah, in Rotisserie, I wouldn't even touch him. Same as Ben Simmons. I'm not touching these guys.
1: But for head to head, like, I guess, where do you take him? I, you know what? I haven't done projections for head
0: to head, so I don't know. But you're right, 13. I'm not sure about 13. But probably that's high. Maybe around 20, somewhere there. Uh, he's all about upside, right? I mean, the the rumors are right now from from New Orleans that he's healthy. He's he's young. Well, the hype is there. I mean, he's good. He's
1: he's good in head to head. I he's, well, I mean, like that's just it. You know, you don't have to take him in the second round. You don't have to. You might have to take Zion in the third round. I have seen him go in the third round, but. He dropped to the fifth round here. He's dropping to good spots where, if you are building a certain kind of team, he's definitely somebody who his other production's so good that it's. I mean, that's. I just feel like 51's a a really good value for for taking Zion this year, especially with how how elite his scoring is supposed to be.
0: Yeah, what, what do you think about Thomas Bryant here at uh, at sixty? At, at what do you think about him? The
1: guy's twenty-three years old, bubble, good. What do you think? There's a lot to like about Thomas Bryant. It's just, I think we still have those questions about whether or not he's been a guy who's been getting an opportunity on a bad team, or if Thomas Bryant is actually a good enough player to be looked at as a starter who deserves more minutes going forward. And I don't, I I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people who are like convinced either way. I think a lot, most people just have questions about Tom Bryant. This at the end of round five, this area it's it's fine it's it's you if you need blocks you're seeing those go away so you've got to grab them and this is where they're going
0: you know blocks he's he was below one last year i think it was 0.9 but i like Thomas brown he's 23 i think i think he's got a good future regardless of 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 the role right i think it's good
1: no i i like thomas bryant he's he's somebody who in those in the middle middle to middle later rounds He's definitely in my queue along with other guys like Wendell Carter, Al Horford, uh, and the other big men who I would be considering taking around around this kind of area. Round six, Clint Capella at 61. That is just way too high for Clint Capella right now, given how now, now whereas I was making all kinds of defensive arguments for John Collins value remaining high this year clint capella on the the hawks i think he gets hurt by john collins as i kind of mentioned earlier so i'd be i'd be worried about taking clint capella too high in a league this year
0: absolutely he's way too high here and, and i might be, i might be wrong though i i wouldn't take him in in round six i'll probably take him around eight or nine maybe i'll I take wendell Carter, wendell carter jr above him
1: Way, yeah, way ahead of him. And Wendell Carter went right after Clint Capella at 62. Then Draymond Green at a nice value at 63. Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre Jr., Brooke Lopez, TJ Warren, uh, CJ McCollum, Brandon Clark went at 69. Giggity, uh, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, OG Ananobi. I'm not really taking uh, much umbrage with any of the picks in round six, but Brandon Clark is somebody who people are they look at his ranking I'm guessing and say oh this guy's really good but they don't necessarily are like Brandon Clark's ceiling is is limited as long as Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas are on that team and while Brandon Clark's make Brandon Clark may get off to a good start to the year while Jaron Jackson is out I don't even know if it's guaranteed that Brandon Clark starts at power forward while Jaron Jackson is out that's it's, I, I just have a, I mean, I think he's going to, but I'm, I'm I don't like the Brandon Clark getting picked early thing. I, and I, I see people get like excited about it too. And I'm like, all right, go ahead.
0: Uh you know you you've touched a couple of names afterwards Jamal Murray sorry Dejounte Murray Derek White Ongie Adenobi so I'll take all these three guys before Clark that's me yeah. personally but without JJJ Clark has an opportunity I think he starts definitely um on, on in Memphis and you know looking forward I mean when when JJJ comes back I like Jonas Valanciunas I'm a big guy I mean I have a signed jersey right here next to me I I'm a big JV guy he comes from Toronto he's he's Lithuanian but he's slow Okay, he's he's slow. He's not mobile on defense at all. And I think in the future we're looking at Clark and JJJ
1: together. I wish I, I wish we'd see more lineups with Jaron Jackson Jr. at small forward because he's he 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 move he can move like that. He shoots threes like that. Why not just use JJJ as a mobile defender? Throw Brandon Clark in there with Jonas Valanciunas. We're good, man. I think all three of them should be able to play together. I don't know why they haven't been able to figure that out. Um, all right. Round seven, buddy healed at 73. Then Al Horford, Eric Bledsoe, John wall goes at 76, Hassan Whiteside at 77, Jared Allen at 78, Laurie Markkinen at 79, Kevin Love, James Wiseman, Colin Sexton, Kobe White, Michael Bridges. That's round seven. Buddy Heald, there's just uh, question marks about whether or not he's going to start or get stuck in a backup role again. Seems like there's still friction between Buddy Heald and coach Luke Walton. And then the Kings also appear to be enamored with rookie Tyrese Halliburton. So there's the potential here for Heald to be pushed to a bench role, even though Bogdan Bogdanovich isn't on the team anymore. And then Tyrese Halliburton just stepping into that starting shooting guard role. Uh, it's got me reluctant to go after Buddy Heald, but I also think here in, in round seven at pick 73, like even if Buddy Heald's coming off the bench, he's still going to be hitting enough three-pointers that at pick 73, it's not like, it's not the worst pick. We'll just say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a c- couple of things. There's real life and there's fantasy. So the, for for fantasy, three point on a high, high volume is valuable. Pick 73, maybe, you know, in real life, Sacramento, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Bogdanovich was clearly the better player. Why not keep him? Trade Buddy Hield, and then they screwed up the whole the whole trade thing. The rumor was that they could have gotten a pick from Atlanta instead of letting him walk for free. So Sacramento Kings is just it's the same as New York on the other end. It's just it's just bad.
1: Well, you think you would have been able to get one of those good young talented guys, maybe even from Atlanta, whether it was Querter Hunter. You're you're not getting Reddish back, but you know, like there's enough there that you would have think, yeah. They could have got, gotten a, a first round pick. Um, looking at some of the big men in this round seven. I love the Al Horford pick. I think he's going to be great in OKC uh, Hassan Whiteside. That's an interesting pick because we know how high his ceiling is. If he is starting at center like he was last year for the for the Blazers Blazers. But Hassan Whiteside signing with the Kings on a minimum deal. And then Rashawn Holmes being there, Marvin Bagley still being there. Which obviously, if they're signing Hassan Whiteside, they're probably planning on playing Marvin Bagley exclusively at power forward this year, at least most of his minutes at power forward. It's a it's a rough situation. I I don't think it's a terrible spot to take Hassan Whiteside, but I'd be waiting longer for him. Jared Allen, I that's the best ca- the best case outcome for Jared Allen is that Jared Allen getting traded to a team that plans to start him because. With the Nets, it's not just about DeAndre Jordan. The Nets are also going to play Jeff Green and Kevin Durant at center as well. Like, there's just it's going to be hard for Jared Allen to 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 produce this year, and unless things change, from what I think the current perspective is.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this round seven, and there's question marks about each and every one of those guys. So Hassan Whiteside, personally, you you talked about him. I would take Rashad Holmes above him any day of the day, any day of the week. He's shooting threes right now. It's it's uh, you know some wide side. Everybody talks about his blocks. Yeah, that's true. But pick and roll situation, he he is bad defender. He got exploded repeatedly by by people continuously. I mean, he got traded because in out of Miami because of that. He cannot play defense whatsoever. So I don't. I'm not touching whiteside. Right? I don't like him at all. Jared Allen is a young star. I think he's not maybe not a star, but he's a young talent. But he's just buried on the on the roster. And you said, yeah, the, the Jordan and, and maybe Durant plays center. Marketing, I don't believe in marketing. Kevin Love is just stuck in bad situation in Cleveland. Um, you know he, he's probably not gonna play much um, down down the road. They're not gonna be competitive. Um, Wiseman is a young guy. Um, no one knows about him. Sexton I like uh, good percentages for fantasy. He's, he's he seems to be good. Probably option number one in Cleveland. So I would take personally I would take Sexton above all
1: those guys we just touched on right now I like the I think Lowry Markkinen is someone who after Al Horford goes off off the board I start looking at Lowry Markkinen and saying is having a new coach in Billy Donovan going to put Markkinen in better situations to at least be a more competent consistent player than what we saw last year Uh, because Markkinen as a rookie was good or at least good enough that people had elevated expectations last season. And then those kind of got dashed with how poorly the team was coached and just how, um, aloof marketing kind of seemed on offense on times or at at times in regards to his lack of uh, assertiveness. So I have hope that Lowry marketing has some upside also just because coach Donovan has played his core guys really big minutes in the past, whether that was Westbrook, Paul George, uh, SGA and with this Bulls team they have a pretty defined core and I think that there's the potential for a lot of these guys if you know all, all their main guys to play play more minutes than what what I'm projecting them for and what most people might expect um it's something that I'm definitely watching in regards to fantasy this year. All the Chicago guys, the, the, the big names there, whether it's Wendell Carter, Jr. Lowry Markinen, Zach Levine. I don't really target Zach Levine in a lot of drafts cause he's going so high this year. Um, but like Kobe white's going at a great spot here at pick 83. Uh, and, and there's going to be more, uh, responsibilities for, for Kobe white. He's, They've pretty much said he's the starting point guard. He's going to be the lead ball handler. Um, so there's just there's upside there for uh, for for these Chicago guys to play more minutes and maybe just be working in a better offense this year.
0: So talk about Chicago. What do you think about uh, Otto Porter? Big contract. I think he opted in into the last uh, year of when 27 million. What do you think about him?
1: So Otto Porter, Otto, Otto Porter played in like the last five games of the regular season before uh, the Rudy Gobert shutdown and uh, of the regular season in March. And in those five games, auto Porter had only gotten up to about 25 minutes per game, but he was, pl- he's putting up really nice production. And if Otto Porter's foot and Porter says his foot is healthy, if he's healthy, then the door is open there for Porter to play a huge role on this Chicago Bulls team. But it sounds like coach Donovan is concerned about keeping Porter healthy. And there's these, uh, kind of perspectives or narratives being painted where the bulls are going to limit Porter's minutes in order to try to keep him healthy. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean 25 minutes a game off the bench? Does that mean 28 minutes as a starter? Most nights, does that mean not sitting, not playing in both games of a back to back, does that mean Patrick Williams gets the start at small forward and they just play auto as many minutes as they need to play him behind Michael or, uh, Patrick Williams. I don't know. I'm definitely not investing a high pick in auto Porter, but if he falls far enough into a draft, I certainly think the upside is there to justify grabbing him, uh, late enough.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I I'm with you. I I wouldn't invest a a big seven here or round
1: seven. um, and to be clear, hard. he wasn't taken in, in in round seven in this draft.
0: Right. So round eight, he won that one those
1: <laughs> Tyler Hero went at 85. Seems a little bit early to me, but it's also you're just getting into a, a wonky area of the draft where you're kind of uh weighing out uh hoping for a bounce back from a guy like or a from Victor Oladipo or a a, a jump in in a p- potential and production from a guy like Tyler Hero. Um so sorry hero at 85 then julius Randle, victor oladipo ricky rubio jeremy grant lamello ball lamello not lonzo lamello ball uh markel fultz demarcus cousins duncan robinson mike conley kemba walker aaron gordon um <laughs> you know it's funny i talked i talked up lowry in from round seven not and i didn't even mention the fact that i was the one that took him so um I guess I that that's just me. Um, full disclosure to let you know that I I guess I was talking up the guy that I had taken, um, <laughs> and I di- I didn't realize it at the moment. Um, and I've probably been doing that throughout this draft because we haven't really touched too much on on what my team's been. We'll, we'll kind of circle back around to that uh, at the end of the draft. Um, but yeah, I, I guess round eight that was pretty weird, pretty weird round that I just rattled off: Hero, Randall, Oladipo, Rubio, Grant. LaMelo ball, Markel Fultz, DeMarcus Cousins, risky pick, but one with, with upside, um, Duncan Robinson, it's only three pointers. So that's hard for me to invest when you've got other guys still available who could provide more holistic kind of production. Mike Conley, Kemba Walker, Aaron Gordon. I just don't want any, I'm Kemba Walker at pick 95. That's late and that's, and whatnot. And if he's healthy, that's fine. But I don't, Kemba Walker wasn't healthy all last year and we're we're hearing the same knee issues coming into this season. I don't want anything to do with it,
0: yeah me neither I mean there's question marks about each and every one of those guys right I mean um, jeremy Grant may be as safe as a comedy in Detroit they paid him what sixty million they paid him more than christian wood he took Christian Wood in round three there's uh
1: jeremy Grant <laughs> that paid more by the same team round eight yeah well I, I mean that's but that's I like the jeremy grant I mean Round eight, Jeremy Grant. It's fine. It's it might be a little bit too early. You'd probably like to get him in round nine, or or you know maybe round ten if you're lucky for him to fall that far. But like, at least Jeremy Grant should be in a thirty-plus minute role every single night, and he's supposed to do a little bit more on offense this year. We'll see about that. I don't really like the idea of Jeremy Grant starting at small forward though, and that seems to be the plan right right now to open the season for the uh for the Pistons. <laughs> You know, I watched him play defense
0: in the playoffs. He was he was amazing. He was phenomenal. So on Detroit, uh, Dwayne Casey, I, I know he likes defense. I think Jeremy Grant is in for big, big minutes.
1: Uh, production-wise, I'm not sure. Round 8 is probably right. Lamelo Ball is uh, – he's going to put up some nice stats, and he should play a ton of minutes. Uh, Devontae Graham played like 34 or 35 minutes last year as a rookie for the the Hornets. So I'm kind of looking at Lamelo Ball and thinking – they invested a, you know, a top five pick in this kid. He's one of the best passers in the NBA from jump street of getting into the NBA. Um, and I just think there's going to be tons of opportunity there. So as long as you're okay, getting a terrible field goal percentage this late in the draft, it's at, around the time that Markel Fultz is going off the board. That's usually when you're going to be looking at LaMelo ball, um, and, and Lamelo's actually been getting bumped up in the rankings on, on, I know on fan tracks, and I don't know if he's going to get bumped up other places, but if nothing else, uh, you know, Rotisserie, you, you may not want to invest in a guy like LaMelo ball in his rookie season because he's going to destroy your field goal percentage. But in a head to head league, if you're punting field goal percentage, LaMelo becomes really interesting. Uh, round nine, Davis Bertans at 97, then Boyan Bogdanovich, PJ Washington, Devante Graham, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Norm Powell, Killian Hayes, Larry Nance, Vats, Ivica Zubats, Evan Fournier, Darius Baisley, and then Dante DiVincenzo in round nine. Any of those guys that you uh, want to make any comments about?
0: I think this round is interesting. I think I, I, I'm more intrigued about these guys than, than the previous round. We can talk about the Denver guys. So Bojan Bogdanovich from Utah, for example. I, I, am, I am not a big fan in real life, but in, in, in fantasy, big volume on threes and amazing, amazing boost in three throw percentage because it's high volume on both of those categories. So threes and, um, and uh, three throw percentage. I, I was chatting with my buddy the other day and he he, he chose in rotisserie a team that is uh, a pun free throw for sure. I mean, he chose Ben Simmons, John Wall, and Hassan Whiteside. He took all these guys in rotisserie. I said, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, seriously? I'm sorry about swearing on your the, on show. <laughs> but you got to go to the guy who has Bojan Bogdanovic, and you got to offer him something because he's going to boost you way up. That's just Bogdan, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's got a, a really, really good floor, not a high ceiling. So he does everything good. On the Atlanta team, he's a little bit lost. Norman Powell, I like this guy. In Toronto, I really like this guy. Killen Hayes, all the reports from, from Detroit at uh, Casey Leibsel, he's a good passer. He's probably gonna destroy your field goal percentage, but he's a good passer, and as a rookie, he's probably all the way up there. Ilika Zubac, I'm 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 good. Um, too bad they 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 took Ibaka in 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 Clippers. Without Ibaka, I would, I would take Zubac even higher. Evan Fournier, I think he's for for a very good season, because first of all, Jonathan Isaac is out for the whole season, and reports are now that uh, Terrence Ross is away. So without them, Evan Fournier, big role, big uh, big usage. basely same thing in 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 OKC. Uh, probably not num- probably guy number 2 behind SGA Divincenzo uh big role in uh in uh, in walking
1: No what do you think Divincenzo uh, I Di- Divincenzo I just worry that he's going to get some of that uh, coach holder treatment in regards to you know a, a lot of people would look at Divincenzo and say look if Divincenzo gets traded away to the Rockets in, in a Chris Middleton trade for Harden and Div- DiVincenzo is starting at shooting guard and he's playing 32 minutes a night, he's gonna put up some pretty nice numbers. Uh, and hopefully his steals would stay up. Um there's there's some things to like about DiVincenzo, but he also hasn't really played big minutes for the Bucks, not only because he there was just so much talent on that team and they're so deep last year, but also because DiVincenzo has struggled to stay healthy so some people were at least it's been thrown around like can Divincenzo even play the the big minutes um in a bigger role i don't know um it'd be interesting to see Divincenzo in a on a different team or if or with him expected to start at shooting guard for the bucks this year to actually play 32 minutes but i think it's going to be closer to the 28 minutes or so that we saw a guy like wesley matthews play last year so
0: what, but you can't compare you can't compare Bethany Masses. I mean the guy is cooked. He he was behind uh, Achilles Tier. He, he was not even close to what he was doing before. This guy is what third season? He's what 23, 24? What how old is he? I don't have it in front of me, but I and, and he doesn't need much usage. I think De is, is in is in a good place, I
1: think. No, he's an interesting guy. I just I don't know how high his ceiling really is. And not high and, at all. And it's, gonna high be all. Hard. it's gonna be hard to figure that out as long as he's playing on a team that's got Giannis middleton drew holiday and brooke lopez taking all the shots ahead of him um
0: yeah yeah sure i agree he's he's his ceiling is not high at all but his floor is, is is right there with with all the rest of the guys in round nine i really like this this list on round nine really like more than round well, eight to be honest
1: well you know later in the draft and pretty much throughout the draft i'm always kind of trying to say who do i think is going to be we're going to produce or at least as an opportunity to produce more than what this current value has them at. And a guy like PJ Washington with the Charlotte Hornets, that's a really interesting situation. I'm getting a little bit more uh, warmed up to the idea of Devontae Graham at the end of drafts, simply because it seems like the Charlotte Hornets are committed to looking at Devontae Graham in their starting lineup and moving Terry Rozier to the bench. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is, is interesting. If the Atlanta Hawks finally just give him 34 minutes a night, 35, 36 minutes a night with, with Trey Young. And, you know, the, the problem with Bogdan Bogdanovich being with the the Kings for the last several years is like, I don't know if we really know who he is because I definitely don't trust that he's been used right in that organization. Uh, go ahead. Yeah,
0: we can talk about Bogdan for, forever. I, I'm a big exactly. fan. I, I watched him in Europe, uh, and you're right, about uh, Kings not putting him in the right position. I mean, he was, he was stuck uh, with the ball in his hands. Above top competition all the time because without with Fox and him there was not there was nobody else. With Atlanta, if he plays 34 minutes, he's in a good place. His ceiling is not as high as some of the other guys, but his floor is so high. His yep. floor is probably higher than than most of his guys in the drawing
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Killian Hayes with Detroit, you're never really going to expect m- most rookies to play over 30 minutes a game. It just they just don't do it. Teams are teams seem to have this like perception that rookies can only handle so many minutes and that's kind of probably true Uh, but Killian Hayes with Detroit he's expected to start at point guard he's got good size so you can pair him with a bunch of different guys you can use Killian Hayes as shooting guard in a pinch he can probably play up at small forward Uh, he's a good off-ball defender his defense is going to keep Killian Hayes on the court but he's also apparently a lot of the things that he was missing from his game whether it was not being able to go to his right and pass from it with his right hand. Um, those things have, he's all, it's all crap that like he worked on because he was playing in professionally overseas. Killian Hayes comes over here with a, with a, he's in a good position to be really nice as a rookie and is a great guy to get late for some assists, even if they're not going to be too gaudy as a rookie, uh, Darius Baisley with the Oklahoma city thunder, the thunder just have, a lot of minutes that they need to fill, a lot of shots that they need to have taken up. And after Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Darius Baisley could very well be the second option for this team simply because Al Horford isn't necessarily a high-possession player.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Baisley is... I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I saw a couple of clips
1: from from, this, from the um, the bubble. Um, he was good. Basley's shown some really intriguing things, but he's still... Really rough around the edges. Like when you watch, you watch his all-play videos on on um smart highlights on YouTube. It's there's still a lot of warts to his game. He's got a, he's got a lot of rough edges. So I think a lot of people are are encouraged by the amount of opportunity that is going to get this year, or that we're expecting him to get. But uh, I just temper expectations a little bit. Like I like Basley if he falls to a good spot like here around round nine after PJ Washington goes or around the time that PJ Washington goes, that's probably the same time that, that uh, Darius Basley should be going. Um, I, you know, between Darius Basley, PJ Washington, and another big type guy like Jeremy Grant, DeMarcus Cousins, like I'm probably taking Jeremy Grant and DeMarcus Cousins who both went in round eight after PJ Washington and Darius Baisley who went in round nine. So yeah,
0: you're probably right. But again, you know, in, in fantasy, we need, to, we need to remember two things. Fantasy comes down to skill and opportunity, right? And that, that's what it's all about, skill and opportunity. And you gotta ask yourself, opportunity-wise, basically is, there, is in a good place this year, probably second option, best case scenario. But then with all these picks that OKC has in the future, you know, going down the road, where is he at? Is he that good?
1: And that's the question mark. Yeah, there's – I mean, yeah, that's definitely for Dynasty. Um, You're going to be investing a higher pick in Darius Baisley even than obviously round nine. And it, it is something to talk about about how high you would be willing to invest in Darius Baisley because there's a lot of people who are going to look at Baisley's age, which I think he's still just 19 or 20, and uh, and they're going to want to invest a really high pick on in him in Dynasty. Round 10 – think-
0: I'll take him about Demarcus Cousins, like you said, any day of the any day of the week, even without that, even this season.
1: Yeah, exactly. That that's this redraft that we're going through. I I just wanted to point that out. Like, I'm not taking a flyer on a guy like Demarcus Cousins when there's still other players who have secure roles who haven't shown that they can't stay healthy yet. Of course. Uh, round 10, Daniil Gallinari at pick 109, then Nerlens Noel, Rashawn Holmes, Blake Griffin, Otto Porter, the all-risk team right there, yeah. um, Marvin Bagley at 114 to myself, Chris Boucher, Will Barton, Spencer Dinwiddie, Andrew Wiggins, Dennis Schroeder, and Steven Adams to round out round 10. Um, you know, Blake Griffin has some... Interesting upside. He said he doesn't want to hear about restrictions right now. So that's all good. But Blake Griffin was so limited last season due to his knee issues. And he performed so poorly in the games that he did play that, it, you know, again, I took Marvin Bagley here because I said to myself, well, Marvin Bagley has had injury issues so far, but like it hasn't been a chronic thing. And Marvin Bagley doesn't play the, the bull in a China ship shop game that, that Blake Griffin plays, where I'm expecting Blake Griffin to get injured more. He just doesn't play a game that is conducive to staying healthy.
0: I'm not touching Blake Griffin whatsoever. Out of anybody in this round, I'm 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 big on Holmes. Not big, but I'm, I'm better on Holmes and Boucher. Those are the two guys I'll take. No one else. I'll take I'll take Holmes before Whiteside. I'll take Boucher before anybody else in this round.
1: <clears throat> See, I'm I'm doing, I. I don't want to invest in Rashawn Holt. I'm interested in Nerland's Noel. I'm not interested in Nerland's Noel at round 10. Um, just because I still think that the bottom could fall out on Nerland's Noel. But this is not the worst place to, to look at taking him. Otto Porter, you're starting to get closer to where I'd be considering Otto Porter. But essentially, the round 10, you're still drafting someone who you're expecting to be in an active lineup spot for you this season. Yeah. And I would hope you'd be assuming that they're going to be on your team all year, still at round 10. Um, it's not one of your bench spots. I still want to draft somebody who I feel secure in, 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 at least what they, what they should be able to offer if things break right for them. And that's, that's why I took Marvin Bagley over guys like Chris Boucher. Um, <sighs> Steven Adams. I just don't like that. His ceiling is so low. So, yes.
0: Adams, I'm not touching it either. Um, I, you know, Wiggins, no way. Dingwitty, no way. Will Barton, no way. I'm, I'm looking at this list that you have, and Boucher, to my to my view, he, he's a clear
1: winner above all these guys. He needs 20 minutes, and he's top 80 guy. And he might get 20 minutes this year. With, with Aaron Baines being the starter at, at, at center, you're probably going to see, you know, what, 22 to 24 minutes from Baines every night, and then, and then there might be 22 to 24 minutes. How old is uh, Aaron
0: Baines? There's a quick trivia question for you. How old is he? 34. Baines,
1: 34.
0: He just celebrated his birthday, either 34 or 35. Yeah, he, that's yeah. old. That yeah. is old. And he missed lots of games.
1: No, I agree. Like, I mean, Boucher's in a d- pretty decent situation, and there's room for him to uh, to blossom this year. But he's also, what, 28, 29? It's not like Boucher is a young guy looking to, uh, you know, Continue his natural development I mean there's still that that Possibility for him but it's I don't know it'd be a late career breakout That's for sure okay. um, Round 11 Terry Rozier at 121 Serge Ibaka, Mason Plumley, Montrez Harrell, Joe Harris Seth Curry Darius Garland and myself at 127 Luke Kennard, Josh Richardson Karis LeVert at 130 Terrence Ross and DeAndre Jordan Finishing out round eleven. What do you think there?
0: Uh, lots of question marks. Why, why Garland? You you do Garland. Why? What do you think about him?
1: I mean, I think Darius Garland's the the better modern day point guard option back car, backcourt option for the Cavs. They are operating. Look, the Cavs are in purgatory, trying to build a team around Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton scores efficiently for fantasy. That's great. Um. But if you're making this guy your focal point on offense, someone who has improved his three point shooting but still doesn't do it at volume, um, somebody who just like even if he tries hard, there's so much, so much limitation to what he can offer on defense. I just whatever man the the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think Darius Garland is better than Colin Sexton. Certainly has a higher potential ceiling in my. I'm not saying that Darius Garland is destined to be better than Colin Sexton. Darius Garland may not pan out, but if I'm putting my money on one of these two guys to actually be a winning guard on an NBA team, it's going to be more towards the Darius Garland guy who has a game that's got maybe better handles and certainly has uh what seems to be a better path to being a good off the dribble shooter which i think is so important in today's nba so plus it's it's round 11 it's later darius garland is the starting point guard for the calves he showed an ability to put up some big assist nights i darius garland as a bench guy for target for me as a as a starting point guard who might play 34 minutes a night i i don't i i, I don't know why people aren't talking about garland more to be completely honest,
0: and you're right. That's the reason why I asked. I, I haven't watched Cleveland at all last year. To be honest, that's the reason why I asked. I don't know anything about this guy. I haven't seen him probably five minutes of my time. I know Sexton putting good numbers. That's that's the reason why he's going so high. I mean, looking at the list of, of other players around 11, I don't see anybody who jumps at me. I mean, Joe Harris is going to lose touches. Seth Curry, yeah, okay. Harold, not a big not, not a big guy. Plumlee, not a big fan. Ibaka is playing behind Zubats. Rozier is cooked. He's on the bench. I, Terrence Ross is, is 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 injured. DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, another big fan. I don't see anybody else, maybe Richardson, you know, with with the Dallas. But Josh, otherwise
1: yeah. No, Go Josh ahead. Richardson's interesting if now you're not you're expecting Josh Richardson's already tempered offense to come down some because he's going to be playing next to Luca, who dominates the ball more than any other player in the league. But Richardson's defense might improve. Maybe he starts getting those steals that He's gotten in previous years that definitely weren't there last year w- with the Sixers. Um, so that's what's interesting from Josh Richardson. But I don't feel confident about his value. I don't feel confident about any of these guys. But Mason Plumlee is interesting to me from round eleven at one twenty-three because he's seems like he's going to be the starting point or starting center, not starting point guard, starting center for the Detroit Pistons. And if if Plumlee now the Pistons did say there they're probably going to go small a lot, which makes sense having Jeremy Grant there at power forward allows you to use Blake Griffin at center. So we might even see that as the starting lineup some nights, but with the way things are, Mason Plumlee is in line to be the starting center. How many minutes does, does uh, Dwayne Casey play him? Is it similar to the way that Dwayne Casey used to play Jonas Valanciunas? And we're only going to see what 22, 24 minutes a night out of Plumlee, even though he's starting, or is it going to be a 30 minute a night Plumlee and he becomes way more interesting for fantasy?
0: I don't know, man. D- 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 Detroit is your is your team, right? Michigan. You told me before. Detroit is your team. You tell me. I mean, I'll take him, Delong right before anybody else on this list, anyway.
1: Uh, I would agree. Uh, for the yeah, and he doesn't go until where did he go in this draft? Anyways,
0: let's talk about Richardson. You touched on him, right? You say uh, yeah, 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 this and that. Oh, but I think Richardson is 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 the best defender, at least best perimeter <laughs> defender. He's 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 going to be playing thirty minutes a night. I I'll take him above uh, probably, I don't know above but probably better than Rozier in the back and in That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Rozier sh- shouldn't even really be getting drafted right now in, in standard leagues for the most part. If he is, it's like the final round and you're just taking a flyer to see where Rozier ends up landing in regards to his rotational Seth Curry's interesting because they said they're going to use him in more of a pick and roll type situation that they're going to use Curry on the ball, not just off the ball. Like he was constantly with, the, the um, Dallas Mavericks last year so, and Curry's also supposed to start at shooting guard. So there's there's room for Seth Curry to play more minutes and maybe, maybe be a more consistent option for fantasy this year. Um, so I'm intrigued by him. Round 12 uh, started off with Cameron Johnson at pick 133, then Maxi Kleber, Delon Wright, the guy you just mentioned from Detroit, Cam Reddish, Aaron Baines, Malik Beasley, I took at 138, Alec Burks, Miles Bridges, Tristan Thompson, R.J. Barrett, Alfred Payton, who you mentioned earlier in the conversation, and then Daniel Tice at 144 rounds out uh, round 12. Anybody there that you wanted to talk about? You know, I like
0: uh, most of the guys in round 12 more than most of the guys in round 11. We can talk about most of the guys. Cam Johnson had a good bubble. Uh, He's come in good good situation in in, in Phoenix. He doesn't need touches. Uh, He needs uh, catch and shoot, and he's going to plenty of it in, in, in Phoenix this year. Maxi Kleber, without Porzingis, with uh, was, was a question mark around uh, Powell. I think he's got minutes. He's he's a blog guy. He's a great rotisserie guy. That's the reason why I drafted him today um, in one of the leagues. DeLon Wright, I think, is in good position with reunited with Dwayne Casey. Uh, leadership, 27-year-old, um, gives you production along the board. Great in, in rotisserie. Good good along the board. Any any single category. Cam Reddish, I think he's 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 better than than Hunter and and uh, and Herter. Um, I think he's primed for a good good uh, season in, in Atlanta. Aaron Bates, uh, starting uh, center in Toronto. Uh, he just, he just uh, answered my trivia, about 34 years old. Uh, he played great in, in Phoenix uh, without uh, Diadro Aiden last year. Malik Beasley, uh, you know, balled out in, in, in Minnesota in, in limited games uh, when he got dealt. So all these guys, one, two, three, four, five, six guys in round 12, I'll take most of them above round 11.
1: What do you think? a uh, Cam Johnson is interesting because he should bang threes just like he did in the bubble, just like he did last season as a rookie um, with Chris Paul being on that team. And yeah, the, you know, Chris Paul is going to find the guy who's going to bury the the corner Jays. So Cam Johnson should, he's in a good spot, but the, the Suns signed Jay Crowder in free agency and everything I'm reading right now is that Michael Bridges is locked in as the, as the starting small forward. So, Jay Crowder is might be stealing the, the starting power forward job from Cam Johnson, and that's what scares me off Cam Johnson a little bit. Kleber, you're drafting him late because you're expecting to stream him at the start of the season as he plays more with Chris Stapps out, but the fact that Dwight Powell is back from an Achilles issue and we're hearing out of training camp that Dwight Powell's been used at, at starting center in a lot of their training camp uh, lineups I wonder what that means. Does that just mean that they're keeping Kleber in the backup role because that's where Kleber's going to play? Are they planning on playing more of a too big lineup, uh, with, with Chris Stapps and Dwight Powell than what we saw last year? I don't think that's the case to be completely honest. Um, so then I'm just a little bit confused. Like, or is the Dwight Powell at center to open up the season with Chris Stapps out? Is it, is it just to build his trade value, maybe a little bit? I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit confused on on why Kleber wouldn't be the one who's getting looked at as the uh, the starter to open the year, just because you would think they'd want. I guess you have consistency with White Powell, but not necessarily from year to year, like last year to this year.
0: So defense wise, I mean Kleber, I saw him guarding Kawhi, right? I saw him guarding best guys on the other end, and Kleber is is tall enough. He, he uh, he's not a superstar, so the ceiling is very low, but the floor is so high, right? I would take Kleber uh, in front of Powell, to be honest, even with Porzingis out or Persingis back in.
1: Yeah, I would too. Uh, DeLon Wright at that pick 135 right after Kleber. DeLon Wright looks like he's probably going to be starting at shooting guard or at least playing a big role um, off the bench for the Pistons. So, it's a good spot to take a flyer on Delon Wright and see if he's going to end up claiming 32 minutes a night as the starting shooting guard next to Killian Hayes. Cam Reddish, I worry about how high a ceiling can get with that, with all that depth of young talent uh, on the wing for the, the Hawks, but everybody keeps talking about Cam Reddish like he's the guy who's going to start at small forward more likely than anybody else. And if he is starting at small forward, that means the team looks at Cam Reddish a little bit more highly in regards to uh, his developmental path than they do guys like Quarter or DeAndre Hunter. And that makes me a little bit more bullish on the idea of Cam Reddish late in drafts. I took Malik Beasley at 138 because Beasley's dropping in drafts right now because of all the 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 potential issues with his legal problems. Um but I guess I just looked at the fact that the Timberwolves signed this guy to a 60-plus million-dollar contract in free agency, and I don't think that the Timberwolves would have committed that money to Malik, be- Malik Beasley unless they were pretty sure that he's not going to miss, you know, a year in prison or something like that.
0: You know, I don't know about, uh, I don't know about Beasley, to be honest, because Edwards, uh, he was high traffic. I don't know about him. I don't know about the role, to be honest. But Cam Radish, let's go back to Radish. So I watched him numerous times. I watched Atlanta closely at the end of the last season, and the guy is good. Cam Radish, he's going to be guarding top perimeter, point guard, shooting guard, small forward on the opposing team, and there is no one even close to that on the Atlanta. Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a good guard. He's average at best. Um, Trey Young is, is below average defender. Um, Hunter. He's, he's good at, at maybe uh, interior defense, um, and, and that's it. So Cam Reddish is going to get 30 minutes a night. I think he's going to blossom. I think he's going to be higher than round 11, 10, maybe even 9. I'm big on Cam Reddish.
1: Wow. Um, I guess I just don't – like I think that there's – I think there's enough question marks that I don't want to invest too high of a pick into him just because if Cam Reddish does struggle with his shot like he did in college – uh, in such an epic way then it it might be hard for the team to keep him out on the court with other options being available um the, the the thing about malik beasley is just the fact that like at this point round 12 the guys that went after after me in this round alec burks miles bridges tristan thompson rj barrett alfred payton daniel tice like at least with malik beasley if he plays 28 to 30 minutes i'm gonna get two and a half three pointers and I don't know of anybody else this late in the draft that you're getting two and a half to maybe three three pointers from almost guaranteed. So I was happy with the Malik Beasley pick this late. And I think he's somebody to keep in mind as you get past like pick 130. Start looking around and saying, do I have all the three pointers I need? If not, Malik Beasley might be a really nice grab there. Could be. Um, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Yeah. Not round 13. What do you think? Round 13, uh, Pick 145, Juancho Hernan Gomez, interesting as a starting power forward for the Timberwolves. Derek Favors went at 146. He's just not going to play enough minutes as the backup center and he's not going to start at power forward. Maybe, maybe in very rare circumstances, will we see Favors get a spot start? Um, but I think there'd have to be like injuries and they'd have to be matching up against a very unique team with two bigs in the front court. Marcus Gasol at 147. Just don't think Gasol is going to play enough minutes, even though he's likely to start at center for, for the Lakers. Jakob Pertl is someone to watch, but sounds like LaMarcus Aldridge is still going to be the starting center there for the San Antonio Spurs. Jeff Teague at 149. Does Teague start at point guard with Kemba Walker out to, to begin the year? I don't think Teague does. I think Marcus Smart shifts over to point guard, and we get some – Grant Williams added to the starting lineup for the Celtics or rookie Aaron Nesmith or Nesmith. Uh, we're not seeing much conversation about that, but I just, I, I look at the Aaron Nesmith thing and I'm like, this makes the most sense. He's a come in catch and shoot guy with big size who can play, you know, your forward spots, your guard spot. I'm just going to be really surprised if Aaron Nesmith isn't somebody that people are talking about early in the season with Kemba Walker out.
0: You know that's a good point. I was I was ready to ask you about Jeff Teague because that's you know the first name comes up when when you hear about Cameron Walker. How big is Jeff Teague? But you you're absolutely right. These guys are big on on Williams, and I don't know much about Nithmis. Uh, I haven't seen him a single minute to be honest. So I, I was I was ready to ask you about Teague. You answer my question. I'm 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 happy. How about Hernan Gomez? Let's talk about Lancho. Uh power forward. I don't see much competition in power forward in Minnesota. What do you think?
1: No, there's the opportunity for Hernan Gomez to play a much bigger role than what might be perceived but hernan gomez has always been a a a low volume guy on offense so i just don't trust hernan Gomez Wancho to do enough to be a, a, a big value in fantasy this year he's, he's somebody who get at final round of the draft round 13 you know round 14 take a flyer see what happens and see if that that starting job at power forward is going to pan out for him
0: but I don't see anybody else. I mean, Hernan Gomez is on the board for me. After we down done this pod, I'm ready to draft, and he's right there. I'm going to draft him. If nobody else picks him, there- I think there's two guys in front of me, I'm going to take him. I don't see him competition. He doesn't need much usage. He's a good rebounder. I'm missing rebounds. I'm going to take him.
1: Oh, and he's got the uh, ability to, to be a, an efficient player as well. Um, Paul Millsap at pick 150. Tyrese Halliburton I took at pick 151. Uh, Lou Dort at 152, then Robert Williams, Rui Hachimura, Obi Toppin, and Dwight Powell. I took Tyrese Halliburton at 151. It was the first pick of this whole draft where I felt I didn't have confidence in my pick. But I just was looking at who was available, and I said, there's this air of, I don't know, with Tyrese Halliburton. This idea that I don't trust the Kings. So because I don't trust the Kings, I also don't, pretend like I know what the Kings are going to do with their rotation. We're getting these murmurs that Halliburton's going to start at shooting guard. Maybe Halliburton plays more than anybody expects because coach Walton does things that nobody would expect. And, um, and and maybe we end up getting really big steals numbers from Halliburton late in the draft here. And that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. But also if I end up having to drop Halliburton for a, a waiver wire pick, I'm fine with that too.
0: Yeah, it's good. That's a good point. You know, there's lots of question marks right here, and I have more question marks about other guys than Halliburton. I mean, we just talked about um, uh, Buddy Healed, You know, go, going uh, so high or higher, and I have question marks about him. So Sacramento, I think, should be rebuilding and and drafting a rookie here that is that is uh, really high floor based on the uh, uh, reviews that we're getting. is a good It's a good point. You know, uh, Robert Williams is is competing with other two bigs in, in in Boston. Hachimura, yeah, no defensive stats. I'll be topping. We talked about this defense being poor. Powell just coming back from from Achilles. So many question marks. I am I'm, I'm good with with you, I think you did a good job here.
1: Uh, round 14 to finish off the draft. Uh, one pick 157 was Kyle Anderson. Then Marquise Chris Anthony Edwards goes really late at 159. Trey Lyles, Derek Rose, Alexei Pokusevsky is who I took at pick 162 in this final round. And then Kevin Porter, Kevin Huerter, or Herter. Uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Eric Paschal, and then Facundo Campazzo, the uh, short backup point guard for the Nuggets who was signed this off season. But apparently there's some murmurs that Facundo Compazzo, uh Mr. Irrelevant is going to be relevant because he, he might even end up starting with the uh, next to Jamal Murray.
0: Yeah. I heard about him being a top passer with, with the Oakage in the world. You know, uh, I look back at, at Teodosic, uh, Milos Teodosic that came from Europe. I mean, I'm I'm European. I came from there. I, I watch their basketball all the time. I'm big on 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 passing and and you know finesse and this and that. I mean, this guy's 5-9. I haven't seen a single uh, minute of him playing to be honest. I don't know much about him. But what do you think about Pokusevski? You took him here. What do you think about Alexei Pokusevski?
1: Yeah, um well I do think it's interesting that Anthony Edwards fell to the very final round and was just picked as like a flyer because people are so confused about what the, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to do with their, with their guard rotation and their wing rotation. So it's funny that Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick in the, the NBA draft is like, people are just, (laughs) he's getting forgotten in fantasy, which is not a good omen for his real life, uh, development over the next few years the reason i took Alexei pokasevsky at this point is because we still don't know what his role is going to be we just heard this week that trevor reese is still away from the thunder he's not expected to join the team and we don't know when or if he will because he's still dealing with the family issue that kept him out of the bubble and i just look at Alexei pokasevsky he's i think 19 um he's a seven foot guy who a lot of people consider to be like a shooting guard. So the uh, versatility from Alexi Pokosevsky is what's really intriguing. And the way a lot of people look at Alexia is they say, this guy's ceiling is Kirilenko, Giannis type kind of crazy stuff where you've got this just super long guy who can do all this guard stuff. But what is Pokusevsky going to develop into? Does he have the mindset needed to compete truly in the NBA? It's hard to understand that, being that he's coming over from a a poor, uh, a poor league overseas. And, uh, and we just don't know how Pokusevsky is going to play against high-level competition. But when you look at the stats that Pokusevsky put up overseas, and you look at what he can project to do given his size and his length, you're expecting the reason I mentioned Andre Kirilenko is because you're you're expecting someone who can do a little bit of everything and maybe do a lot of everything, and 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 that's why I took this this flyer on him in the last round because if we come out in over the next couple of days and and Paul Kaszewski ends up starting or playing really well in in these preseason games for the Thunder, it, it, it he could go from not getting drafted to being like a 10th, you know, a ninth or 10th round pick in a a day. That's a good
0: point. You know what? You you mentioned the most important thing Uh, we we talked about before skill and opportunity and opportunity in OKC this year is, is unknown. I mean, we talked about SGA number one, clearly, and then, you know, who else? Who else? Dort, uh, Darius Basley, and that's, and then who? So I wouldn't be surprised if if Poposevsky plays, even though he's skinny, even though he needs to add weight, but opportunities is there.
1: You're right. Yeah, good, go yep. pick. Totally. Opportunities yep. yep. there, and another guy to like. Um, we're not going to go into any other drafts because we've already spent an hour and a half talking about this. <laughs> really,
0: it flew by so quickly. We can talk about another hour and a half. Easy.
1: <laughs> oh, it would be so easy to do it. But um, but another guy in that Oklahoma City Thunder situation is uh, Teo Maladon. Do not lose sight of him. At least make sure he's on your watch list this year. Um, in that, at the start of this this conversation, I mentioned that we we might talk about this twenty five man roster, twelve team league that I'm in. I ended up taking Teo Maladon in that league as well, because or in that league because with this Oklahoma City Thunder team, there is going to be opportunity, and we might find a a, a time later in the year, or maybe even earlier than what people think. Where Teo Maladon, who was at one time considered a top 10 prospect coming towards the NBA, who ended up going at, I believe, pick 31 to the Thunder. He's a guy who could end up starting at point guard for this Thunder team at the end of the year, pushing SGA to shooting guard. And then you've got Polkasewski at small forward, Baisley at power forward, and who knows at center. But um ah man, this, this Thunder team, they drafted some really interesting youngsters. Who I mean go watch their tape. Pokasevsky looks super interesting and so does Teo Maladon.
0: Well, you know what? I, I'm intrigued by OKC. I have SGA as one of my uh keepers among the leagues, and 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 I'm 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 all aboard and on in in, in in SGA. Uh, um, as potentially round one next year.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um so is there anything else from, uh, I guess I'm just going to all off my team. So from this draft, from this uh, 12-team, 14-man roster draft, my team ended up finishing out being Nikola Jokic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Pascal Siakam, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, Brooke Lopez, Lowry La- Markinen, Lamelo Ball, Killian Hayes, Marvin Bagley, Darius Garland, Malik Beasley, Tyrese Halliburton, and Alexei Pokusevsky. Now those last two or three guys could very well end up getting dropped very early in the barely early in the competition. If if we see things kind of uh, unravel news wise for other players who are on the, on the wire um, to, to look like they might be a better situation. So I was kind of going upside on those last picks and that's something you'll often hear from people in, in, in regards to the strategy near the end of the draft is to just, you're looking for more upside guys that could break out and have bigger roles than what are currently expected
0: yeah absolutely and OKC is a good good team to 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 do that because the roles are unknown beyond beyond sga there there's there's question marks all over the place so good job i think your team looks good um i wish you luck um and 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 yeah uh, anytime you can talk about uh you know uh, fantasy any other leagues i know i have a couple more drafts coming up i'll be really happy to talk about it
1: i definitely need to get some blocks um but that's another reason why i took a a flyer on Alexei Pokusevsky at the end of the draft was like, well, I need some blocks and he might be the guy. <laughs> are, you, be
0: the- are you hoping from, from blocks from Pokusevsky? I mean, the guy is as skinny, he's as
1: skinny as me. I mean, he's like this, you, want to, just, you want to get some blocks from him. Well, that, that's just it though. You know, you go back to Giannis as a rookie and it's just like, do, do they want to get those blocks? And that was one of the things that stood out from Giannis as a younger guy is even though he was out there rail thin, he, he cared so much. He wanted to, and he knew that he could use his length to get those chase down blocks or to get the help side blocks and things like that. So
0: Kyle, if you compare Pokusevski to uh, Mr. Uh... Giannis and Greek Freak, I'm all up for Pokusevsky in later rounds. And you convince me. <laughs> you, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bought in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think it's worth the fire if, you know, if nobody else is dropping, but sometimes you're going to be not being as competitive of a draft. And in the 13th round, you've just got better options to take. I mean, that's a, that's a hail Mary pick. Sure, uh, it's trying, a risk. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about from your dynasty draft that you were working, that you're uh, working through still? You know, Dynasty, that, it's
0: really, really, really interesting format because I went into it with, with an with a open mind. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was hoping for competitive and, and, and committed GMs. That's all I wanted. Competitive, committed GMs, uh, long term. So beyond this, this year. Because redraft, like we said, you took flyers. You t- you t- you know you have no problem of dropping dropping this Pokoshevsky guy tomorrow. I mean he starts a league and, and you see he doesn't play ten games. You drop him. Doesn't care. Yep. I'm in long term. So I I was hoping for 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 a commitment. Um, you know, GMs that want to be there. So I saw, I saw guys picking up continuously, uh, 22, 23-year-old with high upside, JJJ, Jamrand, you know, the guys like that, a a team full of 23, 24-year-old with with high upside. And then I went somewhere in the middle. I put my effort into 26, 27-year-old, and I think I have a good team. I picked Siakam. I picked uh, Sabonis. I picked uh, um, 23-year-old Bryant, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal in the early round. So I think my team is good for the next five years. But then I see someone else coming in in rounds four, five, and six, grabbing four or five picks, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and these guys. And they're stacked. I mean, this year, there's no question about them being so dominant. So my question to you, I guess, is is what the role and, 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 and how to approach dynasty leagues in general.
1: What do you think? I mean, it kind of depends on where you start off your draft. And how, how deep the league is, meaning how long is it going to take for your for the pick to come back to in the second round? Um, like, if you're playing in a 30-team dynasty draft and you have the 22nd pick, you're not fighting for this year. Most, well, I don't know. See, that's, that's just it. It depends who drops you. Because if you're at pick 22 and LeBron James and other guys are dropping to you there, you might decide, okay, I was you know, you come into a dynasty league and you're, you're almost planning on trying to fight for several years. Um, and often what will be the, the better, the better path is to say, everybody else is trying to win three years from now. I'm going to try and win this year. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to get, you know, LeBron and Kyrie and you know, guys that are going to have a good year this year, but who probably aren't going to be better next year. Uh, they're, they're probably going to be worse next year. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go grab the Al Horfords, anybody who falls, who, you know, that, that, that's what you're going to play. But even, even with like the guys that it sounds like you were drafting, like grabbing like a Tom Bryant, grabbing a Demontis Sabonis. These are guys who might have overinflated value in redraft leagues in some respects, but then get discounted in uh, in a dynasty draft, just because being twenty seven or twenty eight years old doesn't sound as sexy as being twenty two or twenty three to people, and then they decide, oh, if they're twenty seven or twenty eight. I only have three years of you know really good seasons left from them. We're taking all of that into context, like, and and really just starting from the, from scratch here about dynasty is how many years do you expect people to stay invested in these leagues? That's it. That's the main
0: question. That is the main question. Because I'm seeing the guy, like I said, coming in, grabbing top picks in later rounds. How long is he gonna stay in? He wins the league this year, he collects the cash, he quits. Yep. That's it. I mean, that's what I'm doing next year in Dynasty. I mean, I'm joining a league, I'm drafting all these guys in middle rounds, I'm playing one year, two year max, I'm quitting. Where's integrity, right? That that's a question of integrity.
1: Oh, I've got I've got a 30 team 30 team league that I've been in for like 4 or 5 seasons now and you know like last year I traded away LeBron for Jaron Jackson Jr. That's a great and, trade.
0: Dynasty, that's a great trade.
1: Right, but everybody was like I, I was getting flack for it. Like people were like what you're trading away LeBron for just for Jaron Jackson? It's like Like yeah, this makes sense. I'm investing if, in a poten- a potential If you know if you know these guys are going to stay six, seven,
0: eight, nine years in, that's a that's a win for you. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so I guess the, the answer is the answer to my my own question is that if if you if you're playing with the committed group of guys that you know are going to stay there long term, that that's a value. That's where you can plan long term. That that's a strategy.
1: But I mean, you know, it's it's hard to keep those okay. leagues together too. So then you end up having contraction drafts where essentially you know oh we had 12 teams out of the 30 aren't returning this year so now we're going to be an 18 team league and we're just going to have a draft where we draft all of these other guys as teams onto our squads like i had that happen in one league this year um you know what was great is that 30 team league that i already mentioned where i traded jaron jackson for lebron a couple years or uh two years ago when michael porter jr came out in the draft i had like 10th overall pick, or maybe it was like the 14th overall pick or something like that. But it was a little bit, you know, Michael Porter Jr. went 14th overall, I believe it was, to the Nuggets in the year that he was drafted two years ago. Um, and I got him in a dynasty draft that it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm drafting this guy knowing he's gonna be sitting out for a year, but it actually panned out. I don't know. I guess I'm just patting myself on the back for that Michael Porter pick. Because if I didn't add Michael Porter, my team would be absolutely trash. Like I'm so bad in that in that thirty team league, that thirty team dynasty, that I do want to quit that league. I want them to <laughs> pull that league. Out. My team sucks. I don't hey, want to. If you have MPJ, don't play.
0: quit. If you have MPJ, don't quit yet. I know he I may pay out. Listen, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, Kyle. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I'm out, all up out for uh, joining a dynasty league with competitive and committed GMs. If you have a spot, I'm all in. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, SGT Vino for anybody looking for him on Twitter. Uh, Sergeant Vino, thanks for coming on here and talking about uh, my draft with me and about Dynasty and uh, really just kind of being open to talking about any and every single player. Um, for anybody who is looking to get into Dynasty and you just don't know where to try to get involved, um, Matt, I think it's NBA Dynasty AD ADP on Twitter, Matt Lawson. Um uh B dubs, I think Hidden Upside is is his uh his Twitter handle. Those guys run Fantasy Basketball International. Um, and if you get in touch with them on Twitter, you'll see them posting different leagues to get signed up in that they've set up on fan tracks and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of my leagues that I'm doing this year are set up. It's they they set them up, you pay a little bit of money on fan tracks, it's all just taken care of. And then you've got their, you know, people are paying money to be in these cash leagues it's people who want to be in dynasty fantasy leagues you know that they're at least passionate about it so from that perspective i mean that's that's the league that we reviewed today was one of those and i think it's a good situation if you're if you're looking for uh good leagues to get into so something to check out out there everybody all right sergeant vino thank you so much for coming on the show brother
0: I, I agree totally. Matt Lawson is doing a great job. That's one of the leagues I talked about. So the dynasty I talked about is is also there. Slack is a new platform that I'm in. It's, it's way better than WhatsApp. Uh, bunch of channels, bunch of different leagues. It's I'm all up for it. These guys are doing a great job. Thumbs up. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for having me. I'm ready to come up anytime again. Thank you, brother.
1: Thanks, man. You have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Right. Bye. Thanks for uh, listening to the Free Range Basketball Podcast. Today, we were going over a... 12-team, 14-man roster, head-to-head league draft with Sergeant Vino. I'm Kyle McHugh, and you can find me on Twitter at NBA. And have an awesome day, everybody. I don't really have anything else to say. We've been talking a lot. Alright, I love you. Enjoy the music. Jam on. <laughs> Keep tugging at our heels, watch us hot step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. The ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies death. Put our conscience in the genre box, stamp a
0: certified fresh. Bad boys beyond g depths. you couldn't fathom what we plan to do next.
1: Turn the music on
0: his head, power bombers.